Hello, and thank you for joining me for episode 14 of Beekeeping at Five Apple Farm podcast. This is Lee. Good morning to you all. It's supposed to be a rainy day today here in Western North Carolina, and I really hope so because there's uh, a lot of work I need to get done in the house, (laughs) and I'm not getting anything done as long as there's pretty weather and there's bees and gardens outside. So um, it's misty, rainy, it could go either way, but I thought I'd try to knock out a podcast to give to you um, for the weekend. My plan, um, Lord willing, is uh, to talk to you today about my hive has gone queenless. This is a thing I'm seeing right now all over uh, discussion boards of, of beginners is my hive has gone queenless, what do I do? And actually I've seen it in some not so beginners this is something that if you haven't run into it, you will run into it. So I just wanted to talk about that. And then tomorrow for um, an episode, I thought I would read you an article, a Larry Connor article on requeening. And it's really, it gives you a lot of the background of the whole, the dynamics behind requeening. And I thought it was a good article. It is freely available online, so you can read it there. But I thought I would give you the uh the radio library edition if like me sometimes I have more time to listen to things while I'm doing other things than I have to sit down and focus on reading I would like to fix that in my life because I just I feel my brain melting when I don't actually read I'll tell you it was a little harder to press record this morning than usual because I have had the honor this week of being mentioned on three of my very favorite podcasts in beekeeping uh, Kevin England, um, who was partly the inspiration for this podcast with his Beekeeper's Corner. I wrote him to tell him thank you for inspiring me. And so then he he said on his podcast he was going to listen to my episodes while he was working on something in the garage on the weekend. And of course now I'm just nervous as can be because uh, I'm sure when you listen to them all in a row, you see all the times that I repeat myself or I forget what I said the week before because I don't often go back and listen to the ones the week before. And um, so, Kevin, please be kind. <laughs> and then also, I was delighted to hear from uh, Kiwi Mana, the beekeeping podcast out of New Zealand. Yeah, I, I really enjoy their podcast. Um, there's fascinating information from the other side of the world. And also, just that they're on the opposite season than we are is kind of fascinating, too. Um, but they have a big audience and talk about lots of different things. So, Kiwi Mana beekeeping podcast is really enjoyable and last but definitely not least Mandy Shaw's uh, podcast beekeeper confidential is really enjoyable she interviews uh, people mostly that I have heard so far and so thank you all for uh, mentioning this podcast and thank you so much for listening in I'm going to try not to be nervous Um, this whole podcast is always just like that hermit hopefully the hermit mentor that you can get on the phone now and then and maybe they ramble and maybe they say things they've already said but somehow it's helpful and that's actually based in reality in my life because my original mentor had been keeping bees a few years but her mentor was this famous Ozark character I'll call him Sam um, who had been keeping completely chemical-free, treatment-free bees for decades, and but he was also a hermit, and he didn't really want to talk to young new beekeepers. But my friend had that, um, she, she's a person who, a, a curmudgeon whisperer, who could get in, and they had become friends, and she had been mentored by him. 
I so wanted to talk to Sam in person when I was new, but he didn't like to talk to people on the phone. But finally, one day, I got him on the phone, and he talked my ears off, and I just let him, and I learned so much in that. And so, in some small way, I hope that um, I can be your uh, your crazy friend, the curmudgeon Sam, who occasionally gets on the phone and talks your ears off on this podcast. So anyway, um, people are going into their hives and saying, oh my gosh, I don't have a queen. Now, if you are a brand new beginner and you started with a package, this is not that unusual because when those packages were thrown together, that queen they put in with the bees is typically not related to them at all. They haven't had time to um, get used to her and very often package queens, if they're not outright killed, are quickly um, superseded. Hopefully you've done better if you bought a nucleus colony because ideally that queen has been kept in with those bees and they have bonded with her um, and so that tends to have better results. But every beekeeper is going to open their hive and they're expecting to see a nice brood nest with all that white open brood and you open it and there's no open brood. And then you start looking, you can't find any open brood, all you see is capped brood and you're like, oh no, I've gone queenless. On the subject of queens, um, if you're new, don't try to find yourself, don't try to make yourself find the queen every time you open it. Uh, it's good practice. It will come with time, but when your bees are really trying to draw out their comb, kind of the less you interrupt them, the better, except for your required checks um, to keep an eye on how they're doing and find out if they need your help. But um, if you see eggs, if you're the kind of person with the eyes and the foundation to see eggs, once you see an egg, you know there's been a queen there within three days. So it's good, um, you know, queen check, done. Um, if you see open brood, then you know you've had a queen within the last week or so. So again, if there's plenty of open brood and, um, there, and there's probably eggs, maybe you can't see them around, then queen check, done. Um, you're done till your next check because... Uh, because you've seen open brood and that's a pretty good thing if you're not seeing queen cells and you see open brood that queen's probably in there somewhere but on that day that you open up a hive and there's no white open brood in there there's just cat brood so many people at that point uh, you know get on a discussion board and say my hive has gone queenless what do I do or they call their mentor my hive has gone queenless and the first thing I will start out saying is there's the good possibility a really good possibility that your hive has not gone queenless. If they are in the process of, of requeening, and who knows, maybe they grew up a queen cell, especially if you were late in doing your inspection, maybe they made themselves a queen cell, she has hatched, you have a virgin queen either somewhere in the hive or out there uh, trying to get mated, and so you have a queen in process. And as I mentioned, I do remember last week, if you requeen while they have a virgin queen, they will most definitely kill your mated queen that you put in there because they are already bonded and loyal to that virgin queen that they made. And um, so it's very important before you put some poor, you know, some poor innocent mated queen that you bought or got from somebody into a hive, it's really only fair to make sure that there is no virgin in there or, or semi-virgin or, or virgin that's gotten mated and hasn't started laying yet that's just going to rush over there and kill her. That's just mean. So um, the following is one of the most helpful tips 
that I ever uh, was told or read. Michael Bush mentions this on his Bushbees website. I think he calls it the panacea cure, and it is true. There are so many times that you go in and there's some type of weird puzzler in your hive, including an apparent lack of a queen, and you can solve a world of problems if you just take a frame a very young open brood, ideally a frame that has eggs on it, but definitely has little tiny open brood on it from another hive. You shake off the bees in their hive because you don't want to get them killed by just sticking them in a, a different hive. So you shake off the bees and then you take that, that naked frame with open brood and you put it in your problem hive. This is going to accomplish several things. One is if you think you're queenless and you put a frame of brood and eggs that are of an age that they can make queens, if they are queenless in four days, five days, you're going to see a big fat queen cell on that frame because they will go, oh my gosh, here, here's a life-saving opportunity to make ourselves a queen. They'll whip up a queen cell and because you've hopefully marked that frame when you stuck it in there so you'll know which one it is, you can simply pull that one frame back out four or five days later and look for queen cells. If there's not a queen cell on that frame that you put in there, um, then you've got a queen somewhere in process. Now, there is an exception to this, and that is if you already have a laying worker hive. I will tell you, full confession, I have had one laying worker hive. It was completely my fault. It was um, a hive that was kind of off to itself, and I kept thinking it was okay, and I kept skipping it on my inspection rounds. And sure enough, when I finally got back around to it, they had gone legitimately queenless, and they had become a laying worker hive. This is so not cool. It is almost always beekeeper error in that you didn't go in there in time. If you are going in and looking at your hive every 10 days, every two weeks, you will never have a laying worker hive because when you see that they are apparently queenless and you give them that frame of eggs, you will stop them from developing laying workers even if they don't have a queen at that time, even if they were just about to start laying workers because, well, first of all, maybe I should stop. A laying worker colony is a mess. Let me just tell you, they're very hard to fix because what has happened is they have gone so long without a queen that they, and, and, and they can't, you know, the brood have aged out of making a queen. They become completely desperate. There, and also the lack of pheromones is, uh, causes the the female workers some of them to start laying eggs now the female workers in the absence of the pheromone that prevents them from it um, are completely capable of laying eggs but unfortunately they're not capable of laying fertilized eggs so they become drone layers the telltale sign of a laying worker hive is you look in there and you see a bunch of eggs in each cell because laying workers, they're not meant to be queens. They're not meant to lay eggs. So they don't know. Um, you can see eggs stuck on the side of the cell because they're not long enough to go all the way down to the bottom of the cell and deposit that one perfect egg like the queen is. They don't know what they're doing. So they put a bunch of eggs in each cell. Um, they put them on the side. So if you ever pull out a frame and you're looking in there and you see a bunch of eggs... Um, by that I mean anything from, you know, four, six, and up. In one cell, you've got a laying worker colony. 
Now the first instinct of everyone is to go, oh, I, I need to get a queen in there to stop this laying worker colony. Well, laying worker colonies are famous for killing queens because in their confused hive mind, they think they have a queen. There's eggs in cups, so hey, we've got a queen, right? They, um, and so they are notorious for killing queens. Now here is the interesting thing, this panacea cure, uh, with Michael Bush's term, panacea cure, of putting a frame of, of eggs and open larva in the hive. What you've done to, to prevent a laying worker hive, what you've done when you put that frame in there is actually give them the pheromone that they need so that they will not develop a laying worker. And the pheromone is from the open brood. You think instinctively that, oh, the pheromone's from the queen, and yes, that's a part of it, but the pheromone that stops the layers, the, the workers from laying eggs is actually the smell of open brood because that, that lets them know, hey, we've got a laying queen. I don't need to lose my mind and go become a laying worker. Now, I'm not going to cover here how to fix a laying worker hive because that is just, it's a giant pain in the butt, and there's many ways to do it, but I'm not going to cover it here. Um, you can look that up. I've, the time I did it, how I, well, okay, here I am going to cover it, but the time I did it is I, I basically took out all, I just, on a cons consistent basis, meaning every few days, I would take out all the frames of brood that the laying workers had made, those, you know, which are going to be drone frames, and I would put in a fresh open brood frame of real uh, brood from a fertilized queen, and over time, they got it, they made themselves a queen cell. That doesn't work all the time. There's more radical fixes to it. But anyway, if you've gotten yourself a laying worker hive, first make a mental note to not do that again <laughs> and go in and check your bees on a regular basis. Um, and then two, uh, just look up how to fix it and, um, and, and sometimes it works. But back to preventing that from happening. So if you've gone in, you don't see any open brood, you've got this window to prevent a laying worker hive from happening. And you've also got this window to salvage, salvage this colony because as those bees age, they get less and less able to do all the functions of a colony and, and you can lose that colony if you don't fix this. So the moment you see a lack of open white brood, you are gonna enter action mode. And my suggestion is to begin introducing uh, you know, naked frame of open brood from another healthy hive uh, into that hive. Mark that frame with a thumbtack or a sharpie on the top so you know, so that you can go back in every several days and look and see what they're doing um, with that frame. If they're not making a queen cell, then they're in the process of making their own queen. And so then what you will do, again, it's handy to have that frame marked um, because if you then find a frame of eggs and open brood in another part of the hive, one that you didn't put in there that's not marked, then you know your formerly virgin queen has gotten mated. She's come back and she started her own brood nest. And that hive, they're, they're rolling again. That's good. So you can stop putting open brood in there. Um, until that happens, if you... In it, so if they begin to make a queen cell on that frame of open brood that you've put in there, um, then if that's... You know, if you took those eggs from a hive that you like... Um, so, in other words, the queen that they're going to make is from genetics that are decent. Um, then let them make you a queen and let, let them see if they can get her back and get mated and restart up. 
if you have the scenario where maybe they're just they're uh, they're too far gone, maybe they're too diminished to go through that big waiting period of starting their own queen, queen from scratch. Because uh, remember, you know, before you have any semblance of a brood nest, when you put that frame with eggs and open brood on there for them to start a queen, you're looking at a month before she has any semblance really going of a new brood nest. Um, so if the hive is already gone a while, you may not want to take that time. Um, if you're, if you've put that frame in there and they've started a queen cell and you either feel like they're too far gone to start from scratch like that, or if the only eggs in brood you have, let's say, this is a, a someone I know had this, the only eggs in brood she had access to in her apiary were from this really mean hive that she wanted to requeen anyway. So she definitely didn't want to make another um, hive off that mean queen. Then you have a couple of options and mainly those are to, uh, so you've put the open brood in, frame in there, you've gone in four or five days later, there's a big fat queen cell on it, but for whatever reason you don't want them to requeen from that frame you put in there. You have the option of uh, knocking that cell down, I would say give them another frame of open brood because again you don't want them to get too discouraged and go into that laying worker mode. Again mark it because then you're going to go out and find yourself a mated queen in a cage, buy her and come back to, re to introduce her via that method which you can look up of introducing a caged queen. Now what you definitely want to do before you put a caged queen in there is to go back in again and knock down any queen cells they've started because if they make her they're probably going to like her their own one they made better than the one you give them. So hopefully that kind of covers how to uh, figure out for real if your hive is actually queenless using that frame of um, eggs and then how to prevent laying workers once you've just figured out that your hive is truly queenless. At that point um, you've got a besides requeening um, you've got another option like if this is late in the season and I've had this happen quite a bit that late in the season maybe they they swarm um, sometimes sometimes I'm on that fence of it's late in the season and I don't really want to split them anymore because it's about to get cold, but yet they're, they're somewhat crowded in there and occasionally bees will just get a mind to swarm even when it's really late. It's probably certain doom for the swarm, um, but they'll do it. And occasionally if a hive goes queenless late in the season, I don't want to start them from scratch, definitely. And maybe mated queens aren't available and for whatever reason I'm like, okay, you guys, you, I'm going to combine you with somebody, especially if they've dwindled down for whatever reason. Um, and so so that the other option is to combine once you have for sure made sure that you are truly queenless you have the option of combining those boxes with another hive that has a laying queen um, look up combining hives with a newspaper method and um, that will tell you how to do that it's pretty easy as long as that part you're combining is truly and definitely queenless. Um, that the other thing is if there is a virgin in there and you newspaper combine them with a nice beautiful big fat laying queen, the first thing that virgin will do is run right down there and kill your big, big fat queen because that's what virgins do. <laughs> and um, mated queens, they don't even know to be looking out for her because they're like, I didn't make any queen cells and you know, so where is this little killer coming from? So. Um, 
combining the hive is an option if for whatever reason or the time of the season you do not want to uh, this hive to go on by itself. Now in this last part, I just want to talk to switch a little bit and talk about an option that's becoming more available. Um, I'm thrilled to say it is becoming available in the Western North Carolina area, and that is requeening using ripe queen cells. By ripe, um, it means that they're usually within a day or so of hatching. Um, if you run across a queen cell in your hive and you want to see very carefully if it is a ripe cell, meaning it's very close to hatching, you look at the tip end of the dangling peanut and if if the tip end has been thinned out um, and you'll see it's a textural difference from the rest of the cell, then what is happening is that the worker bees, they've thinned out the bottom of that cell to where it's just the kind of, uh, I don't know, it's like a fuzzy membrane uh, type thing and they are essentially checking on and communicating with that developing queen inside so but that uh, thinned out tip is the tip of um, when you have a ripe queen cell but anyway um, as you probably know if you've been in this long sometimes it is very difficult to come across a mated queen when you need one like when you've gone out and you've discovered a truly queenless hive and you go on to try to find um, a mated queen you know, in a cage, and nobody has one for sale, you can't find one, um, or if you order it, it's going to be too long, and who knows where it's coming from. And so this is a very common problem, and so some of the micro queen breeders um, are, are selling queen cells, and this is really easy, because part of the reason why it's hard to sell mated queen cells, like for example, it's while I do aspire to get to where I could sell uh, mated queens in, in queen cages, there is absolutely no money in it unless you are truly at scale because all the work, like it's easy to get a queen cell, um, but all the work to go from that point of a queen cell all the way to a mated queen, it is a lot of work and the money difference between like, you know, 15 bucks that they sell a queen cell for versus 35, 40, or heck, even 50 for a mated queen, there is no way that your time um, can be covered in that unless you are doing it at massive scale, like the big commercial queen breeders. The beginners, you'll this will make sense later. But um, for so for people interested in um, micro queen breeding, and by that I mean doing it, you know, kind of on a backyard level, just for your friends, family, and club. Um, now there are some legal issues in this, so get right with the law, you know. <laughs> um, anyway, so these these uh, queen cells, a ripe queen cell, are very easy to produce. So let's say I do a graft run. I've got 20 or so cells. Um, they the cell finisher uh, finishes them off, caps them. Then at that point, I can easily I can either leave them in the finisher uh, until day 10 or so. Or I can move them to a little incubator. It's the same incubator they use for chicken eggs with a couple of adaptations. And they can finish off their, you know, capped growing there. And then at the end of that time, I can send out an email like uh, a breeder does in our area that says, hey, I've got um, ripe queen cells available on Sunday. You have to come to my place and pick them up. And obviously you have to know how to handle a ripe queen cell but it is a really easy process to uh, sometimes to requeen a whole hive but mostly to uh, to put a queen in a nuke 
that you've pulled and make yourself an extra colony with a ripe queen cell is super easy once once you know all the parts. Um, this is actually how uh, queen breeders who sell mated queens they have a bunch of nucleus, mating nucleus colonies out there and they reuse them. Um, so what they do is once they see that the queen is laying, and a side note here, unfortunately sometimes you know she pops out five eggs and they pop her in a cage and sell her, but a, a really good queen breeder will actually need to watch her um, for almost a month I think is the magic number. It's somewhere in the 20 days of laying. Uh, first of all to make sure she's well mated, make sure she's not a drone layer and also just to evaluate her capacity as a queen and often you do not get that kind of quality when you buy a mated queen from a kind of big generic commercial. The moment she pops out some eggs they pop her in a box and sell her which explains why many times you get bad queens. So if you are buying queens from someone who really leaves them in the mating nuke for the full, I don't know, nearly three weeks to a month to um, make sure she's a good queen, and then they put her in a box and sell her to you, please, whatever they are asking that's significantly more than your generic queens, please pay them happily <laughs> because they have put more work into that than they will ever get back. It's, it's clearly a labor of love if you sell mated queens on a small level. So anyway, back to the cells. Um, so some microqueen breeders in, now in my area are offering these queen cells which are just wonderful. You know it skips a whole process uh, that you might have to go through to get a queen cell on your own. You can just run down to your new friend's house, um, buy or be gifted depending on the situation, uh, but probably buy uh, this ripe queen cell and then those cells can be introduced into you know very easily into a nuke that you have pulled out a queenless nuke and let them be queenless 24 hours then you can just take that cell which is and um, position it between two frames over brood you can look up on YouTube how to requeen with a cell and um, close it up and you're you've just jump started them to getting a new queen this is an easy way if you have access again to these uh, to these queen cells. They're cheap. Usually they're about 15 bucks each, 15, 20 bucks each, depending. Um, and you can do a whole bunch of increase if you want to do a bunch of new colonies and you like this queen breeder's stock. Then it is so easy to um, start little nucleuses with queen cells, and boom, you've got these little baby hives, and you'll grow them up over the season and have a bunch of hives going into winter. So I just wanted to put that out there kind of as a bookmarker um, that I think this is something we'll see more of is uh, more availability from microscale queen breeders who are uh, particularly working with um, treatment-free or chem-free stock. A lot of times this is the only way you can get a hold of those lines of bees. So if you are um, have access, if you know of one of these um, people, sometimes you just start having to ask around. Um, do you know anybody who's selling you know, ripe queen cells? Because again, for many reasons, sometimes they are not uh, real public out there. But um, if they're available, you have quite a resource. You're supporting someone who is hopefully breeding really good stock and uh, making it available to you. So just put a bookmark with requeening with queen cells um, and I, th I think this is going to become more of a thing. 
All right, I am approaching 30 minutes, and again tomorrow I hope to jump on here and read you this cool article by Larry Connor, who is um, a, a true master, uh, literally a master beekeeper, but also a true master of many things to do with uh, queens and requeening. And it's a pretty good basic, it's it's bo it's a basic article. Um, I think it's called, like, requeening. I'll find it for you and tell you about it tomorrow. But um, it just covers a lot of the dynamics of requeening that once you know, then going forward, it's good information um, to have. All right, you guys have a wonderful day. Thank you so much for every single comment that you come and put on the Facebook page, uh, Five Apple Farm. I really appreciate it. You would be so surprised at how fun it is to get your comments and how that makes me willing to get up a little early and do the chores and then come back and record something for you. Again, let me give a shout out to my um, three other favorite podcasts, The Beekeeper's Corner, uh, Kiwi Mana out of New Zealand, and Beekeeper Confidential by Mandy Shaw. She's in the Pacific Northwest. Have a wonderful day, and thank you for listening.